while we remain standing, would you open up your Bibles, please, to 2 Chronicles, not Corinthians, that's New Testament, Chronicles, Old Testament, Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, chapter number 32. Thank you for being with us this morning. Appreciate that very, very much. <clears throat> I'm going to raise a question this morning that all of us have asked or thought about at one time or another, maybe multiple times, and see if I can't help you with some type of a direction or an answer to that. 2 Chronicles chapter number 32. I will read out loud. You read silently along with me, but we'll read this together as is our custom here. 2 Chronicles, listen, fellas, listen. 2 Chronicles chapter number 32, starting at verse number 27. Verse number 27. You there? 2 Chronicles chapter number 32, starting at verse 27. And Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor, and he made himself treasures of silver and for gold and, uh, and for precious stones and for spices and for shields and for all manner of pleasant jewels, storehouses also for the increase of corn and wine and oil, and stalls for all manner of beasts and uh, coats for flocks, that's areas for them to be in. <clears throat> Moreover, he provided uh, him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him abundance very much. Next verse. This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper watercourse of Gion, that's a river, and brought it straight down into the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors and the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder uh, that was done in his land. Listen carefully. God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. Our key verse is verse number 31, actually that last part. God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help us, please, to understand this. Lord, we're so carnal most of the time. Our minds and hearts are led by human reasoning and what they call facts and science and history, and yet we have almighty God's word in our lap right now. We need to trust that. Help me to help your people. Thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the dear folks that are here. Lord, since we got up, since we came here, may we give a good listen in case God wants to speak to us personally about something. We don't want to miss that. So help me to help your people. Thank you for the Bible. May we treasure it. May we look at it as being God speaking to us. I thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. cling to the old rugged cross. 
believe that this life with its great mysteries surely someday will come to an end. Oh, but faith will conquer the darkness and death and will lead me at last to my friend. I believe that the Christ who was slain on the cross has the power to change lives today. For he changed me completely. A new life is mine. That is why by the cross I will stay. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. And I believe whatever the cost and when time has surrendered and earth is no more, I'll still cling to the old rugged cross. surrendered and earth is no more I'll still cling to the old rugged cross a terrible introduction, isn't it? There you go, right there. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. I, I don't like to sniff, and nor do I like to blow my nose in front of people. Uh, but the, um, the obvious outcome is not good uh, if I don't do that. And so uh, please forgive me ahead of time for doing that. If you happen to have a cell phone, would you please check it and make sure that it is off? Make sure that it is off. Would you please do that, okay? And uh, if you expect an emergency phone call, set in the foyer, and that way if it happens, uh, then you'll be okay. All right? Second Chronicles, if you have not found that, uh, hopefully you have in the meantime. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter number 32. I want you to look, if you would, please, at verse number 31 one more time. Chapter 32 and verse number 31. Notice what it says here in verse 31, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse number 31. At the bottom here, okay, howbeit in business of the ambassadors and the princes of Babylon, now that's not good, who sent unto him inquired of the wonder that was done in the land. Now, 
they had seen all, for example, one thing that Hezekiah did, he took a, a main river, a major river that went around the city and redirected it through the city. He said, why would he do that? You have to think, if somebody besieged your city, you can't get out to get water. You're kind of dead in the water. And so there you are. So what he did, he thought it would be wise, and it was. So he's doing this for God, his people, to take care of them. So he redirected an entire river through the city. Now that, was, that was a pretty good idea. And so we find out here in verse number 31, that's not all that he did. It's hard to understand this statement, God left him. Do you see that? God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. It's hard to understand. It was for me. I'm looking at all this and wondering to myself, Hezekiah was mightily blessed of God, of God, not human beings, God. Now, it comes through humans many times. I'm aware of that. But he's blessed of God. The Bible says that he's blessed of God. And yet, uh, the great kings of Jerusalem, by the way, he was one of them. He was one of the best kings that Jerusalem ever had. Hezekiah, what I'm trying to convince you of and tell you about biblically was he was a great king. He was a good fella. Why it was with all these blessings and showing favor, Hezekiah doing right and leading the people and helping them go in the right direction and turn back to God, why does it say in verse number 31 that God left him? Now, why would somebody be doing good, somebody helping other people, somebody, watch, obeying the Lord, someone doing all these great things, and God blessed him. Listen to me, church. And God blessed These are the things of Christianity that confuse us. Why does it say that God left him? Why, why would God leave you? I mean, God's blessing you. You're doing right. All these wonderful things are going on. It's just hard to understand. For me, maybe you already understand all this, but there has got to be a good reason because God doesn't just do things to be doing things. God doesn't just see how much you can take before you break. God doesn't do that. He's a good father. But I want you to look, if you would, please, in verse number, in chapter 29, verse number 1. Hezekiah becomes the king at age 25. I'm going to turn this on you. He becomes king at age 25. That's pretty young. Excuse me. <laughs> that ain't going to help a bit, is it? Uh, now if I even turn my head, you're still going to hear. Uh, I apologize. We find out in verse number 1 of chapter 29 that at age 25, uh, he begins immediately. As soon as he steps into the office, unlike a lot of people we know, uh, he starts doing right, right off the bat. Hezekiah steps in, and I mean he begins to clean house, straighten things up, rebuild things. We come to find out the Bible says in, in chapter 29, verse 2, which you're already there, do right in the sight of the Lord. This is Hezekiah. So in the sight of the Lord. He wasn't just doing what he thought was right. He was doing right, which was in the sight of the Lord. So he's on the right path. He's doing the right thing. Everything's going good. He starts getting God's people back to serving and worshiping God again. That's a good thing. Look at me. He takes the property that God has given to his people, starts cleaning it up, getting it organized, getting everybody back where they should be, getting an order in that, cleaning up the property, God's house and property. He gets the people to start giving and sacrificing again. You know, once you get out of that habit, whether it's a command of God or not, it's hard to get back into that habit. So we find out there he did that. And God declares in, 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 in uh, 2 Chronicles 31, look at verse number 20. Look at verse 20, 2 Chronicles 32, verse 20. Thus did Hezekiah throughout all of Judah and wrought that which was what? Good 
and right and true before the Lord God. In every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did and all with all of his heart and prosper. Now, all this sounds good, doesn't it? Okay, now I have the same question. You ready? Why didn't God leave him? It says right there, God left him. In chapter 32, the enemies of God's people try to take over Hezekiah. Hezekiah turns to God, and you will not believe. Guess who delivered him? God did. Hezekiah did right. He turned to God. Look, if you would, please, in chapter 32 and verse number 7. Verse number 7. He said here, now God's talking to Hezekiah. He says, be strong, be courageous, be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria. Assyria had attacked them. And they had heard some awful things, and they had besieged the city, and he wasn't sure what he was going. So he turns to God, just like you and I should do when we get in trouble. When something comes in our path, don't just try to handle it on your own. Hezekiah said, here's what we need to do. We need to turn to God. So this is what he does. He says, not for all the um, multitude that is with him, for there be more that's with us than with him. Very positive attitude. He said, look, there be more people with us than with him. So verse number 8. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us the Lord our God is helped to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves in the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So he says, look, folks, 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 wait listen to these people. God will fight. All they have is what they, they're just fleshly people. Don't worry about it. We have God on our side. So he's doing everything right that he possibly can. All of this, and yet the Bible says that God left Hezekiah. Chapter 32, go to verse number 27. Verse number 27. And Hezekiah had exceeding riches. So we read this. He goes down through here and talks about the gold and the precious stones and the storehouses and all the animals that he has and all the stalls that he has and provided cities and possessions. And he did all this. You know who did that for him? God did all that for him. So we find that out. Now look at verse number 30. Verse number 30, the second part there. And he says here in verse number 30 that he also upper a water course of Gion and brought it straight down to the west side of in, into the west side of the city of David and Hezekiah prospered in all of his work. Everything this guy did went forward. Everything he did, he depended upon God. He straightened out the people. Uh, he cleaned up the place. He got people back to sacrificing. He got people back to giving. He got people back to worshiping God. When he got into trouble, God delivered. I mean, this, he's got it together. Everything is working. Now think about yourself. This is the way we think. But I'm doing everything right. He was too. Everything that he was doing. Have you ever felt that God has left you? I'm not asking you to shake your head or say yes or no. Just think about it. Okay, let me put it this way. I have. Multiple times. Now I believe in his Holy Spirit. The reason I believe in that is because it's biblical. But even with that, I have in my lifetime, if you've been saved very long, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, you will. You keep serving the Lord. You're going to feel as though you're here all by yourself. Like, where's God? What happened? Why won't he answer me? How come he won't show up? Why doesn't he do something? We've all been there at one time or another. You felt this way, Christians have, and you know what I'm saying. In other words, what? You felt, or even maybe that's you this morning, you feel as though God's not around. Now, you've been serving him, you've been doing what's right, 
but somehow I, I don't feel God anymore as though God left you. And at first glance, at face value, it doesn't make sense. How am I doing right? I'm following right. I'm obeying right. I'm giving myself to God. I pray about things. I go to church. I sing like I'm supposed to. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And then one day in an episode in your life, it feels like God has left you and you're here by yourself facing whatever. Okay, I've been there. Okay, maybe you'll run into this sooner or later. At first glance, it doesn't seem to make sense. But the Bible mentions, now, if, if, if Hezekiah had been sinning on the side, this would have made sense, wouldn't it? God left him because Hezekiah was sinning. Everybody else didn't know about it, but God knew about it. Now, that would make sense. But the Bible mentions nothing of a kind that Hezekiah did anything wrong or sinful. Actually, just the opposite. It reiterates, look, listen to me, Christian, this is very important to you. It reiterates he was doing everything right. Hezekiah was doing everything right. We got a problem. He prayed. He helped the people. He straightened them out. He showed them their worship. He cleaned up God's property. He did everything he was supposed to do. And in the middle of all this blessing and prosperity and protection, and God left him. Now, don't tell me that makes sense to you. Because at face value, it makes no sense at all. How is it we can do right? How is it we can read our Bible? How is it we can go to church? How is it we're trying our very best to serve and honor God, and then we get up one day, and within a week, it's like, God, where, what happened? Where are you at? I, I've been praying. Why, why won't you talk to me? Why won't you answer my prayer? What is going on with you? And the Bible said, God left him, here it is, ready, to try him. Now, we don't know what that means yet. That he might know all that was in his heart. Now, I don't understand this. Doesn't God already know what's in our heart? You know how people say, even a lot of Christians today say, there's no sense praying, God even knows what's in your heart. So we'll just skip over all the prayer in the Bible, right? There's got to be a reason for this. Listen, I know, I know that we serve an omniscient God. You know what that means? God knows everything about everything, nothing new to God. God knows it all. Now, I know that God knows that, but it seems, it seems that I'll talk about me, not you. It seems at times... Evidently, God doesn't understand what's going on in my life. Hezekiah is doing everything right, you understand? And when he really needs him, God's not there. I'm sorry. It feels as though God's not there. So what happens here, God allows himself, it seems, to uh, I don't know, blind himself, to purposely turn his head away. Uh, it seems, it seems, listen to my emphasis, it seems as though that's what he's doing. It seems as though God says you're kind of on your own right now. Why did God leave Hezekiah? The Bible says to try him, test him. Okay, trial in the Bible. Uh, by the way, God does not tempt anybody with sin. God tempts nobody with evil. God cannot do that. When the Bible talks about, our English Bible talks about trial, it also means testing. It's all according in context what it's talking about. For the Christian, when God does that, the devil tempts to evil and sin. God tests. That's our same English word many times, and it confuses people. Why did, why did God try him? I mean, doesn't he? Okay, he's doing this right. He's doing that right. He's doing this right. He's doing that right. Making sure this is done, that's covered, everything. Why did God have to try him? Here's your answer. The Bible gives you the answer. That God may know all that was in his heart. Let me give you an example. Job. What an example. Yes? Job was a man of patience like the Bible says there was not another man in the world. We even talk it, right? The phrase, the patience of 
Job. We talk about that all the time. Job lost everything. He lost his family. He lost 10 kids. He lost his business. He lost favor with other people after helping them. He lost his wealth. He lost his lands. He lost his influence. He lost his health. He lost his loyal wife. She finally turned and said, look, I'm so... Well, we just call it a day. Tell God it's over with. Question for you. What did Job do wrong that God allowed this to happen? And yet the Bible says in Job chapter 13, verse 24, Wherefore hidest thou thy face? Job is asking the same question. God, I need you more now than ever before in my life, so why are you hiding from me? That's not all. David. David's a great guy in the Bible. I think David is one of the most well-balanced people you'll find in the Bible, which I think is what men are supposed to be. David had lost a baby boy to death. He had an illegitimate son. After about three weeks, I think it was, the baby died, and uh, David had to go on. So that was going on because he had a wrong relationship with a woman that wasn't his wife and then murdered her, had her husband murdered. David went to the grave of that baby boy, and watch what it says. I'm not asking you to turn. But in Psalm chapter 10 and verse number 11, the Bible said, here's David. David saying, God hath forgotten. This is David. When he starts facing all this, David said, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. So it's not just Hezekiah making a meanless statement. Job said something like that. David says something like that. And before all of that, he was running from King Saul. And we come to find out he's hiding, he's fleeing, he's escaping for his life because Saul is chasing him to kill him. And God doesn't stop anything. And so David in Psalm 13, verse 1, How long wilt thou forget me, O God? David was a man after God's own heart. God loved David. Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful pair they made. And yet David, in the middle of all of this, saying, How long are you going to forget? God, when am I going to come back to your remembrance again? Why are you doing this to me? He goes on, he says, Forever? You ever been there? Will God ever step back in your life? Will he ever bless your life again? Will he help you get through the problems you're facing? Have you ever thought like that? He goes on, he says this. How long wilt thou, ready for it, hide thy face from me? David said it again. So this isn't something new I'm trying to make up or act real cool. I'm trying to get you to understand why, if you're trying your best to do what's right, why are you going through all of this just to find out? What's going on here? The children of Israel, 70 years of captivity. They were there. Watch what they said. Watch what they said as a whole. Here's what they said in Psalm 44, verse 24. Wherefore hidest thou thy face? Here it is again. Wherefore hidest thou thy face and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? God, you can see this. You know what we're going through. How can you forget us now? We need you now. How can you forget us? And they asked the same type of question. David, again, later on in his life, his favorite son, Absalom, the beautiful boy with the blonde hair. Anybody get any blonde hair? Blue eyed? No, Jews don't have that. We come to find out that Absalom rebelled, caused insurrection against his daddy. His daddy's heart broken about the whole thing. And in a certain battle, Absalom, though he still loved him, he still loved his boy. Absalom was killed. And David, here, you're ready again? 
David at another time in his life. So this wasn't a one-time incident. Another time in his life, in Psalm 27, 9, he says this, Hide not thy face from me. So David is facing the murder, really it was murder, of his boy, Joab killed him, and David told everybody not to. We come to find out when his baby boy died, and he was facing all of that, he wondered what, what he's asking for. God, please, I need you right now. I need you real in my life. David's son, Absalom, killed David's other son, Adonijah. There was a fight when David was on his bed and getting ready to die. There was a fight or a struggle over the throne. Well, the, the, the high priest and David and his wife at that time, after years later, Bathsheba, they all agreed that Solomon, they believed, got who God wanted on the throne. Adonijah, being older, said, no, the, the throne is my possession. So we had this problem going on. Adonijah went out and got a whole bunch of people to proclaim him as king. He, he, got, he got a general to follow him. He got all these things going on. And Solomon found out about it. David pronounced him as being king. Everybody heard what was going on. And then Solomon killed Adonijah. Watch what happens here. In Psalm 69, 17, hide not thy face from thy servant. Again and again, we read this in the Bible. Folks, what you suspect sometimes, the way you feel sometimes, what you think you know sometimes, it's happened to other people. It's happened to people even in the Bible. Everyone in here has come or will come to this point in your life, listen, keyword, when you feel as though God's not paying any attention to you. You feel as though evidently God's on the other side of the planet and doesn't know what I'm going through. You feel as though, and what doesn't make sense, you're really, really, really trying to do what's right. And things are falling apart, and you say, okay, that's the way it goes. But where is God? Where is God in the middle of your hurting? Where is God in the middle of you not understanding? Where is God in all of this? God has left you. That's what you feel. Now, if you've never been through this, you either will or you already have. There are those times in a Christian's life you feel as though, you ever been this way? Let's, let's, let's flip the coin on you, if you will. You ever felt so close to God? I don't mean just in Bible thinking. I mean literally. Most of the time, it's when your heart is absolutely broken and you have nothing to pour yourself on but God. I remember one of two times. It's not like this happens every weekend when I pray because I don't think that happens to anybody. But I was brokenhearted. Wasn't sure what I was going to do. Had nobody understood. Nobody was around. I was alone in a large room by myself. I'm not trying to get spooky. I'm not charismatic. I'm a very biblical, solid-based person. But here's what I remember. I was begging God to please help me. The only time this ever happened, there's one other time, but the only time that I remember this happened where I really felt as though God put his arm around me, patted me on the shoulder, and said, it's going to be okay. It was that real. It would have been that real if I would simply go to you, we knelt down, I put my hand around you, patted you on the shoulder and said, it's going to be okay, honey. I've had those times. Maybe you have too. Now, you're quick to say amen and smile about that, but what about the other one? It shows doubt, right? It shows disbelief. It shows, yeah, but maybe I was doing something. I'm simply saying both of these things happen in our life. But there will be those times when he seems so far away. Maybe you're going through one of those times even now. You wonder if he's even around at all. 
Let me ask you a question. Look up here. What's your burden today? Just think about it. Now, quit trying to act like I'm Christian. Nothing bothers me. Okay, let's, let's skip over the line, okay? What's your burden today? What are you facing and, and, and very courageously wanting to come? Well, God will help me with that. So where is that? What's your burden? What is it that causes you to feel or believe God's not with you? I'm not asking comment. I'm just asking you to think about this. What is it that you're going through that causes you to look up to heaven and ask, Why hidest thou thy face? From me. But then we question, what am I doing wrong? Let's assume you're doing nothing wrong. Let's assume you're doing the very best you can with what you know and how to go about it, and everything is in order. I promise you, most of the adults and the teenagers in here, in this room, at one time or another, has wondered, where is God? If you've lived very long at all, had very much heartache or heartbreak, you have felt and wondered, like David, like Job, like others in the Bible, God, have you left me? No, then why didn't he show his face? What is God doing? Hezekiah, he pulled back from him, and Hezekiah coined it this way, why God left him to try him. Why would he do that? Why would God do this? Go to Second Chronicles chapter 22. I'm sorry, 30, 32. Second Chronicles 20, that should be 23, 32, I mean. Thank you, verse number 31, yes. And the Bible said God left him to try him. That, here's the reason why, he might know all that was in his heart. It's hard to get human beings past depending upon feelings when things go wrong. It's, it's really hard to get us past that. We trust our feelings more than the Word of God, most of us do. Yeah, but it feels like, and this is what Hezekiah, he's trying to figure this out. Why is this happening to me? In Second Chronicles chapter number 32 and verse number 11, God left him to try him. Just because you can't feel God or sense God or see God working, I'll tell you now, God is omniscient. God knows everything. God didn't forget you. God wasn't busy on the other side of the planet and forgot what, what you were going through. That did not happen. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere present. God isn't traveling from a place to place. God is already at the place while he's at your place. You're not second place. I thought I did that anyway. So what you find out is God knows everything. God is everywhere. And God is omnipotent. You know what that means? God has all power, all power. God does not increase in power. God does not decrease in power. God is all-powerful, absolute power and authority. God does everything for a person. You've got to start buying into this by Bible example that God is all-powerful, that God does everything on purpose without full, with, with full knowledge of everything all the time. God knows what you're going through, Christian. God knows what everybody's going through. The Bible said his eye run to and fro over the whole earth. Nothing escapes his sight. God knows it all. Christian, listen to me. If this can happen to Job, a man, the Bible said, has more patience than any man's ever lived. The patience of Job. We even say it that way. 
David, a man after God's own heart. If it can happen to him, it can happen to you and I. It can happen to us. So please, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm pushing the right button this morning, I'm not asking you to say amen or stand up and shout. But please, let's not act like this does not happen because it does happen. All of us Christians have or will have times when it looks as though or it feels as though God's not working in it. Truth is still on the cross. Never got off. When I pray, there seems to be this iron shield between me and heaven, and my prayers aren't getting through because God isn't answering. What's going on with that when we try to pay, pray? But God, by his eternal word, teaches us he still reigns. God is still on the throne. Nobody has overthrown him. He hasn't gone off to some other earth and trying to work things out there. Our God is omnipotent, omniscient. God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere present. God is there all. So what is this all about? If God watches everything, God knows everything, God has all power, why would he leave you and let you face things seemingly by yourself? What is it that causes you to want to ask that question? Maybe you have. You don't say it out loud because you don't want people to get all concerned about you. Oh, no, no, I don't doubt that. I'm asking about the inward part, just you and God. Okay, you're thinking about that. Has that crossed your mind? Has that ever happened to you? You don't maybe say it out loud, but you're wondering, God, I really need you. It's just another way of asking. said forever it's been a long time God since I've felt you or sensed you or knew you were working how long is this going to forever is this going to go on forever and yet we've asked many times why have you left me or why let me down in my hour of need you know what I mean when I say that every day we need the Lord but there are those other times when it seems like you're just suffocating like you're being broken in half like there are no answers nobody understands nothing is going right and you can't figure out why what is it the wayward child I can't believe that there are not more parents on an altar praying for their kids What is it? A wayward child crushing your heart? You've tried to stay faithful. You come to church without them. You read, you sing, you teach, you work your bus route, you do everything you're supposed to, but at times you pray and it seems as though months turn into years. Nothing has happened. You're praying to God Almighty who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipotent. He has all these things going on, and yet he doesn't. And where is he? Why didn't he show up? Hezekiah wanted to know this same thing. God, where are you? Why won't you help me? Wherefore hidest thou thy face? What is it? A marriage getting ready to split? Is that what it is? You keep trying to do what the preacher said. You keep trying to come up with the right answers. You try to be faithful. You still go to church. You do everything you're supposed to do. But it feels as though not around. So you ask yourself, God, where are you at? Listen to me. Knock it off. You wonder, God, why are you hiding yourself from me? What is it? Death of a loved one? Is it 
which we call the city of the dead. And there is that little one right after birth that you couldn't hide. And you ask, why God? What did they do wrong? What did I do wrong? Hezekiah wasn't doing anything right. Hezekiah was doing everything right, plus, I mean, come on, the guy was really doing wonderful things here. And yet you walk into that room in your house. We call it the baby's room. We call it a baby's crib. It's empty. And in your mind, though you try to continue to do what's right, does it make sense? If God knows it, why would he do this? Why would he allow this? And you pray, God, please help me. And you wonder sometimes, God, why, why are you hiding from me? Why won't you just come? You know I need you right now. Why don't you just come to me and help me out here? What is it? What is it today that's causing you to wonder or cry out and say or think to God, why are you hiding from me? Why are you taking your face and turning it away? Why won't you look on my problems and help me? Let me help you to understand some things, first of all. Number one, God never obeys you. He'd have to go against his own word to do that. God never really leaves you. Simply, then why? That's the way you feel at the time. That's the way it seems at the time. That's what circumstances seem to dictate at the time. Understand, during these times of, of hurt and loneliness, uh, feelings and emotions are riding very, very high for you as a, as a Christian. You, you've wondered, God has left me. That statement, that statement is a statement of emotion and the way you view circumstances. The way you view... Look, we all have a tendency when it appears or feel as though things are not working, let's move. Let's go somewhere. Let's get out of it like it's the place that's causing the problem. No, you, you were doing right. You're, you're singing. You're going to church. You're paying your tithes. You're witnessing. To, no, no, you're doing okay. Then what is it? Why won't God show up and bail you out? Hezekiah asked that question right there. God, he could have said, what am I doing wrong? So God gives a big long list of all the good things he was doing. So what is this really all about? I will never leave thee, the Bible said, nor forsake thee. God made you a promise, Christian. You listen to me. I don't care how you feel. God, by his word, said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will, now watch, every one of these is a promise on its own level. I will go with thee always, even to the end of the world. Your world or the world. God said, I'm giving you my promise on it. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I would rather have God's word on it than feel as though I'm saved. I love to feel saved. But what happens when you wake up one day and don't feel saved? What happens then? So I'd rather have God's word on it, and God said, I will never leave thee. You that are brokenhearted, you that are struggling with, I don't know how much longer I can go on this way. You know, the Bible says that God is nigh unto them so it doesn't feel like it. Isn't that weird? Seriously, it is. When when you're really in trouble and, and your emotions are riding high and it feels like your life's being torn apart, you should pray. I don't feel like praying. I feel like sitting and staring and blowing my nose and tears running and I just feel sad. I don't feel like praying. When things are going well, oh, Lord, you've been so good to me. I just want to thank you all the time. But when you're in trouble, the Bible said pray. When in trouble, pray. The Bible teaches that. 
but I don't feel like praying when I'm in trouble. When everything's falling apart, I don't feel like singing. When everything's not working the way it should, I don't want to hear the preacher tell me how life really is. I don't want to hear it. All I want to know is, God, where are you? You know I need you. You know I've been trying to live right. You, you know I don't understand, so why won't you show up? I know you cry and feel alone. I know you feel empty. I know when you pray, it seems like nobody in that closet where you pray is listening to you or watching you at all. You're up here in this world by yourself. The Bible says, God is with you. The Bible says, God's word says, God's word tells you, I am there with you. The disciples in the New Testament, this, this is so ship with Jesus, with Jesus. He was in the ship with them. A storm comes up. You know what he's doing? He's sleeping. You know what they're doing? They're panicking. You know what they say? It becomes such an enraging storm. Watch, he slept right through it. They had to go and wake him up. And then they ask a question. The disciples, God's disciples, ask him this question. Carest thou not that we perish? You know what they're asking? Same question. Jesus, where are you? Come, come on. You, you've got to wake up. We've been sleeping. Come on, we need your help. Like he didn't know what was going on. Christ always knows what's going on. God always knows what's going on. And you know what he did? At the right time to increase their faith, he steps up and says, oh, ye of little faith, I'm right here in the boat. I chose you to be with me. Why is it you can't trust me past a point? So you know what he did? He didn't say that to them. He gets up and he says, wind, waves, like a mirror. Come on. Peace be still. See, you want that to happen the first time you run into trouble. Right? We don't want trouble. We don't want waves bouncing our boat even a little bit. We're doing right. We think when we do right, everything should go right. Now, you know better than that. According to the Bible, that's not true. God did not leave you or forsake you just to find out the way you would act. God has a purpose in all of this. Quit, tr <clears throat> excuse me, quit trusting your feelings. You have a Bible. If you have a King James Bible, you have a Bible. All the others are commentaries at best. If you have a King James Bible, God said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. So if there's any one thing on this planet we can count on, it's this. Now let's talk about feelings. If there's any one thing, I know how I feel. You can trust that? I can read minds, ask any woman with her husband. I know what you're thinking, Don. That's not true. But there is one person who knows everything. Why would he hide his face from you? That's a good question. What am I saying? God has not left you. Mom and dad, God did not walk out when that child walked in. God did not leave you. There you were serving the Lord, doing it. And for some unknown reason to you, that happened. And you wonder, God, what did I do wrong? I've had adults in here ask me the same question about their kids. Preacher, if I was doing everything right as much as I know how, why'd that happen? And you're asking that right now, aren't you? 
every child has a will. God does not have robots serving him. Angels do not get saved. You do. Your children are little human beings, and when they grow up, they have to learn to serve God because they choose to do that. They choose to do that. Not they feel like it. They choose to do that. Child whose parents are divorcing, that's tough, isn't it? In my Bible class in junior high, high school, we have two kids that have both parents. We have 10 kids that live with one parent. Look at me. That is not supposed to be that way. That is not according to God's plan. Do you understand? You should preach it. Don't you feel sorry for them? Only that that's not what God planned. But since it has happened, child of God, what are you going to do about it? You think God forsook you because dad walked out or mom walked out? God didn't forsake you. He didn't forsake your mom. But that's easy to blame on. No, no, no. You continue to do right because one day you have a free will. You're going to have to answer to God for it. And God said, look, I didn't leave you because a tragedy struck your family. I did not walk out because your dad walked out. I didn't leave you because it seems like the person you love left you. I'm still right here. And God has provided a local church for you to have a father figure in, for you to have an older brother figure in, for you to have brothers and sisters in. God has provided for your need. It's just that we get so caught up in our feelings and circumstances we lose sight of the promise of God. A young lady or a young man that was abused as a child. could have stopped it if he wanted to. That's not the question. What are you going to do now? That's the question. Why did God walk out on you? Did he? Or is that the way we feel? That's what it appears. But is that what happened? Individual, that death has decided to move into your family. Folks, listen, it's going to happen. I've got a list in my office right now. I think there's 30 or 40 this church that has died since they were born. Why? Why did it have to happen? We always say this, in the prime of life. What does that mean? They're middle-aged and they're like 40. So full age is like, what, 80? What if they're 90 and you say, oh, yeah, they're just now starting to turn the corner. You know how much farther down the next corner has to be like 80 years from now. God didn't forsake you. God did not leave you. Number two, I said number one, God never really leaves. Number two, go to Psalm chapter 34, right in the middle of your Bible, Psalm chapter number 34. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse number 15. Number two, God always watches, always, always watches over us. I know you feel alone. And I know that you said, well, I have to walk by faith. You know, the first time that happened to me, it scared me to death. When I first got saved uh, in the churches I went to there, anybody could stand up anytime they wanted to and give a testimony. We don't do that here, so it's not so big. 
and uh, you get up and oh, I'm so glad I'm a Christian. It feels so good to serve the Lord. I can't believe it. He would forgive me. And you go on and on. That was great. Oh, man, it was great. And you couldn't wait for that guy to be quiet. You've heard his testimony a thousand times. Sit down. I got something I want to say. And boy, it was a great, great time. And people were singing and people were hugging and it was a great time to serve the Lord. It was so wonderful. And one day, I mean, I made it a purpose to tell everybody how much I love the Lord because, oh, it just felt so good because I would cry and my mind would be flooded with things. And one day I got up and no tears. No feelings. No emotion. I stood up.
sermons, no truths, no nothing. I mean, just I read because I was supposed to be reading. I studied because I was supposed to be studying. I opened it because that's what I was supposed to do. But I'm telling you right now, I got nothing out of it. I got no sermons out of it. I got no. I didn't get any sermons out of it. For those of you that were college folks, nothing. It was empty. I was not inspired. I wasn't thrilled. I wasn't broken. But I often asked during that time, look, I got to get up three or four times every week and preach or teach on something, and I wasn't getting anything. What do you do? You obey God because he said. You obey God because he said. You ever had your kids go, like, I just don't feel like it. First of all, our kids never said that. You know why? I don't care if you feel like it or not. You're going to do what I told you to do. And every parent said, come on. Yeah, you say that now in the crowd, but you don't do it at home. Every parent does this. My, um, I've had people even now ask my, you don't know how hard it is to go shopping with a child. A, a child? A child. How about four or five of them? We had four little uh, kids in the room. And my wife had a ritual that they will obey. First of all, you threaten them within an inch of their life and you'll do it anyways. That's just standard practice. That's just what you do. Okay, and I know you have a better way. That's why your kids are driving you nuts in the store. Then she would take the little one and put them in that little cart, put their legs in there, right? Put them right in there and set them down. So because they're little, they need more attention. But we don't do the whole whining, screaming, crying all during school or all during the, the store. The next one she would put in the basket because they couldn't walk all the way. All of our kids were one and a half to two years apart. And by the way, by the way, she started having children when she was 18. Hold it, hold it, hold it, fundamentalist. She was married for two years. Because you were wondering, well, it's awful young. I wonder if they had to get married. Right? That's what we do. Yeah, well, boy, that's awful young. I wonder if they had to get married. Uh, no. She was blessed to be married. she would tell the two older ones, you hang on to this cart and don't you let go. When you have to keep telling you, hang on to that. I said hang on to that. Don't do that. Hang on to that. They're not listening to you. How many times does God have to tell you, trust me, I love you, I'm still here? How many times do you have to tell you that before you finally buy into it? We've done this with our kids, so here's what happens. Now, honey, I'm going to make this up because she'll say, honey, our kids never did that. I'm going to make up a story. You got it? Now, see, when I tell a story, she sits back and goes, like, that's not what happened. But my stories are a lot more interesting than the ones that were true. So we take our kids in there, and uh, every once in a while, it's like they want to kind of wander off. You know what I'm talking about. And there you are. You're busy looking at the cereal, right, Frosted Flakes and Fruit Loops. And they name cereal after people. And what you do... So then you're there, and you look around, and they're wandering down the aisle there, right? And you tell, hey, what are you doing? I told you to get back here. But let's assume they keep trying to sneak in. Sorry. I really do apologize for nothing. I can that with nothing. But I want to tell you. So one day when they were with me, I saw this again. 
crosses over here. I'll make you think you're awesome. So when they weren't looking, I went around the corner. And there's some woman looking and I'm looking. I could see them. I had my eye on them. I knew where they were. But they thought I left. Are you listening to the illustration? They thought I wasn't around. They thought I left them. said, that's just me. They'd run down the aisle. Dad! Pretty soon they're screaming, Dad! Dad! Wait a minute, I thought you didn't want to be around me. I thought you could figure this out on your own. I thought you were big enough, you didn't need God's help. You got it all under control because you're doing everything right. So then when they're about to panic or some strange woman said, what's the matter? Ma'am, I got it. I wasn't going to let anything happen. I'm right there. The father still has his eye on what's going on. Are you listening to me? Then all of a sudden, you can tell where you at. Are you supposed to be watching me? Mom gonna kill you when we get home. And I stepped back out. You won't believe what they did. They didn't blame and scream. By the way, if your kids do that, take them home, beat the fire out of them. Kids do not blame parents for what they don't like. This this kind of preaching is good right now. So I step back in, and here they come running. And we cry, right? And we rejoice, and we hug each other, and everything's back to good again, right? I just got through telling you why God hid his face from me. Sometimes, especially when everything is going good, we don't really need to remind them about that. Big mistake. Big mistake. So what happens is, God, if you would, he's there all the time. He didn't lose sight of you. He heard you. He saw you. But see, you weren't paying attention. You acted like you didn't need him anymore. You acted like everything, you had it under control, like Hezekiah. Hezekiah had everything going for him. I don't know his relationship with God at the time. But he did ask, God, why are you hiding your face from me? God was there. They thought, what the kids thought was I was no longer around because they couldn't see me, because they couldn't feel me, because they couldn't sense me. Therefore, I must have left them all alone. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. God's hiding is not permanent. Now, when I was around this corner over here, it wasn't like, okay, that's where you're going to be. You're history, pal. I didn't want you to begin with, so there you go. So, yeah, don't do that to your kids. You never go like this. You know, we never wanted you to begin with. Don't tell your kids stuff like that. My mom used to say stuff like that all the time. Well, I, I hope you kids grow up and have kids like yourself. I'll tell you all about my mom one of these days, okay? Think back at other times when you wondered if God had forsaken you. Think back. When, when was it? A week ago, a year ago, five years ago? I mean, there 
more times where you keep wondering about this. Can't they hear your heart still? I have a question for you. Look at me, listen to me. Did he ever show up again? Yeah, he did. He did, right? You're here. You're praising the Lord. You're still trusting him, God. But one day, the feelings two years when I would really go pray and I'm, I'm just telling you, there was nothing there. It, it was like I was in a world by myself. There was nobody around. Nobody understood. I was getting no inspiration from heaven. Nothing. And I wondered, what's going to happen? I mean, how long can you keep doing that? Two years. Two years. And then one day I was reminded. rejoicing time. Like the little kid looking around, there you are at the end of the aisle, Mom, come on, Mom. Isn't that a good time? You weren't being mean. You were trying to teach him a lesson. You were trying him to see what was really inside of him is what you were really trying to do. You see what happens here. One day those feelings return, those blessings return. The Bible starts to speak to you again. God hides himself to teach us lessons so that we can receive help from him again. First time you came to anchor, do you remember? I try to tell you when I walk in this building, I still look around and go, man, this is not nice. You know what we do? I begin to tell a story. It happens all the time. You'll lean over to a new person and go like, yeah, yeah, he tells this about three or four times a year, and here's the way it ends. Can I ask you something? Can you let them enjoy it for the first time? And will you relive it like you heard it the first time? You walk into this building and somebody goes, hey, did you see our missionary board? Uh, yeah, that's been up for like two years. It doesn't mean anything. That quick, great things pass us by. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Okay? You remember when you first came here? I've had people tell me from outside, boy, it's a lot bigger when you get inside. I've had other people tell me, that place looks so big on the outside, I don't want to go in there. You know, it's, all, it's your perception of things. But when you come in here, minus me, you go like this. People are very friendly. They always say that. So how would you like church service? People were very friendly. Everybody shook my hand. They don't say one thing about the preacher. I know. I felt, that's what I, I ripped it off. I felt terrible. God, why didn't you leave me? You have to understand something. When you first came here, it was like, man, this is great. Man, these people are so nice and at Dalton, you bring your breakfast in here and eat it in church. We don't eat food in the auditorium. We do not drink liquids in the auditorium. If you have such a condition that you cannot go a half a day without drinking three gallons of water, you got a problem. Well, the doctor said, don't get me off on feeding kids, okay? So what happens here, one year later, God said, oh, no, same place. I'm still here. I didn't leave you. I didn't forsake you. But look at the way you're acting. 
so you keep wandering off in your mind, in your heart of what you think is important, and God goes down to the end of the aisle if you will open up. And you're just going about your business like everything's fine. Until you see this strange person walking towards you. Dad? 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 That's all the father wanted to get him to. But you had something in your heart that wasn't quite what it should be. You didn't listen until you did. And he was standing, if you would, at the end of the aisle, watching and listening. When he stepped back into your life, you ran right to him. to Hezekiah. Hezekiah felt the same way you do about folks. Sometimes on a weekly basis you can feel this way. Sometimes multiple times throughout a day. You just really look up to heaven and say, God, why did you do that? Like, where are you at? He never left you. He never forsook you. He will go with you always. He's hiding, but it's not permanent. Number four, let me say this and I'm done. God shows up again and the reunion will be rather sweet. Let me go to where I was talking. When uh, my youngest boy one time, uh, things weren't going well between him and I. And uh, so one morning he just took off, disappeared. Uh, he did not call or stop by the house for 10 months, 10 months. And uh, he was like two. kids leave, they have no idea what you're watching. If they're having fun, they, they don't really think about you. So one day he calls up and wants to know if he can come home for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is normally a big time at our house, not Christmas, Thanksgiving. That's family time. We get together, we eat real food at, at Kroger's house. It's, it's a big time. And he called up and said, I'd like to come home. My wife said, you're not coming to bed. They get on the phone there's a word talk for 10 months. I want to know if I can come home for Thanksgiving dinner. Now you're thinking I was absolutely a crook. You know what I told him? I said, Jane, I want you to understand something. I miss you. I miss your family. But you're not going to do this whenever you feel real lonely. You want to come home and stay over the weekend, have your laundry done, have a good meal, a good sleep. So if you're about ready to stop all that, you're not coming home. You don't think God knows your heart. You don't think God knows your argument. You don't think God knows what's really underneath above what you're caught about the tears and traumas. God knows. Oh, by the way, my wife said, honey, we're just having a hard time talking to you. I, Whoa, stop, stop, stop. I said, our kids have never had a hard time talking to me except when they were going to bed. Here's the how do you know that. Because when he called up the next time and wanted to know if he could come home, something was different about the way his attitude and the way he was talking. He came home, parked by the curb. I was standing in the driveway, 
understood what he talks about. You see, everything was okay with me. Everything was on the same page with me. We weren't opposed to one another. When you're opposed with one another, you don't have much talking to do. Same thing with God. God's waiting to have a good conversation with you, to love on you again, to share himself with you again. All he wanted to know was, what's in your heart, really? So God sometimes hides himself to see what you're doing. You're going through life like you don't miss a beat. These are things we have to understand. You say, but pastor, why does God hide himself? Real quick, number one, he tries to test you. See, you think you know yourself. Okay, you know yourself. Uh, someone just shot one of your kids. You don't know yourself. You don't know what you'll do. No, you don't. It's impossible to know. So God sets up things in your life, watch, to help you so that you will see you in truth while he's watching you, while he's listening. He's trying you. What did he do? He left Hezekiah to do what? What's it say? To try him, to test him. Why? To see what all was in his heart. The Bible said the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You don't know your own heart. I hear people say all the time, I ought to know my own heart. You ought to, but you don't. Nobody does. God said so. So these are the things that we run into. Number two, that he might know all that was in his heart. This is what he told uh, Hezekiah. It is not so God can finally know. God already knew what was in Hezekiah's heart. What he was letting you know was what really is in your heart. You don't really know what's in your heart. And God said, I'm going to help you know what's in your heart. That's not being mean. You teach your kids these lessons all the time. Now, look, you may think I'm real mean, but you need to learn this. It, okay, so isn't that what we do? Our kids need to learn. Look, we need to get them out of modern-day society and get them back to where they have to actually learn how to grow up and do some things. God hasn't changed. God still, he's not a grandfather over there on the hills of glory. He's a father, and he's a good one, too. With all this going on. Most of us live put on. We put on. I'm not saying every time something comes in your life, just spill your guts to everybody. But we really act, even with God, like everything's fine. It's not. We put on. We deceive our own selves and are not true about what's real in our hearts. So God tests us, tries us, so that we can know what's really in our heart. Why would he do that? So he can help us fix it. That's not being mean. My, how God has loves. He knows the problem. He brings out the problem. Okay, you ready? Like this. Somebody irritates you, finally goes, hey, just shut up! You're getting on my nerves! Then you go like this. Preach, that's not really me. No, that's really you. That's what was in you. And you didn't really know it, but you didn't want to face it until that happened. It wasn't that that caused it. That brought it out. That's what was in your heart. Same thing with jealousy. Same thing with all that. That's what happened. That's what's in you. And you say, why would God bring that up? So you can deal with it. So he can help you see it. So he can help you deal with what's going on in your life. There are times that, that we knew we, we were disobeying with God. 
and we almost expected him to leave us for a little while because it's almost like we deserve it. You understand your father's not that way. God's not trying to beat you or get you into submission just so you'll take it. He's a good father. He wants to help you. But there are times we just call him his brother. Call him my brother. Don't do that. You go to your closet like you've been taught. You go to your Bible just like God wants you to. You, you, you've, you've checked yourself. You can't see anything. Then why would God do this? God has a reason for doing it. We believe that we have been left. By the way, if, if this is all foreign to you, and you're a child of God, it's going to happen. It will happen. Someday, some age, some incident. And I hope that you'll remember, don't go by your emotions. Don't go by circumstances. What did God tell you? That's what you want to rely on. Don't go, well, that's the way God is. That's the way God is. Ma'am, not my baby. I've had women look at me and tell me, God's going to take my baby. I hate him. You need to settle down. God knows the future. You don't. That sickness that has invaded your body that makes no sense to you whatsoever, there is a God in heaven who knew that before you were aware. Why would he do that? So we wonder where God is. And then what happens when we pray and pray, and I just know God's going to answer my prayer, and he didn't. Now we disobey and pray. Well, that's the way God is, and I don't know why I was praying. What are you talking about? Men ought always to pray and not to say, is that not what the Bible says? It doesn't say men ought always to pray as long as things keep working out. You keep that. It doesn't say that. Trust your Bible. Hezekiah was doing everything right. I mean, he led people back to God. He cleaned up the house of God, the properties of God. He helped them to prosper. He protected them. He watched over them. He fought battles. He did everything he was supposed to do. And the very next verse in verse 31, the last part of that said, and God left him. God hid his face from him. But it tells us why he did that. Why do you feel that way? That's a good question. Now, if you brought along by yourself, God still didn't forsake you. But you know why he was probably fighting. That wasn't Hezekiah's problem. Hezekiah was really living for the Lord like he was supposed to. Don't buck God. Don't run from God. That's never the answer. Well, if I can't feel God and nothing's going, I might as well leave church. What are you talking about? You know, it's like a person... Uh, you're not tithing and you're not all giving offerings like you're supposed to. And then all of a sudden you lost your job or something happened at the house. Water heater blew up or, you know, you got two bald tires. You've been running on them now for five years. And finally something happened. You think to yourself, that's the way Christianity is. God was very gracious to you to not kill you right off the bat. God doesn't want to kill you. God doesn't even want to chastise you. But because he's a good father. But let's assume you didn't do anything wrong. I'll close with this story. When my mom and dad were still at the house, way back a long time ago, I was probably 10 years old or so. My dad left when I was 11. <coughs> and uh, it's Christmas time, and we had six kids, four sisters, and I had a brother. And uh, my mom didn't like kids in the house. Actually, I'm not sure my mom liked kids. So she'd say, now, if you're going out, you're going out to stay. She didn't care how cold it was or what was going on. You go out, you're going out to stay. You're not running in the house. So we got all bundled up, and we lived in a place where they were still building some houses on the next road over. And uh, so we went over there, and it was cold. And so the little ponds of water were frozen. 
Well, that's ice skating rink, right? So my older brothers and sisters, I was second to the youngest, the cutest, and there I was. And uh, I watched them, and sure enough, as they were sliding, it broke. They got wet. They had their new Christmas boots and clothes on. resurrected body right here. We all died that day. When it was all done, I looked at my mom. I was dry. I didn't fall down. I, I didn't even go. I was with him, and I just kept watching. I didn't want to do that. Watch. My mom beat me anyway. When I got enough nerve, I asked her why. She ran around the house and found a reason for why she did that. She found my Christmas hat that her dog chewed up. And she said, you shouldn't have left this lying around. And that's, that's, that's not true. God doesn't make up stuff. God has a reason, and it's a good reason. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get to the place where we have to understand when it feels as though God won't make it. There's a good reason. He didn't leave you. And if it feels that way, he can leave forever. And he's a good father. He knows what you're going through. Why are you asking? You know, I, 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 it's been a long time since I knew he was with me. I know he's with me all the time. What you're saying is it's been a long time since I felt God's presence. I love those times. Oh, my God, I love those times. I get to dance in the spirit, right? We get to sing together. I love that. I love it. It's a good song this morning. Brother Mark was singing. You could have shouted, but you didn't God deserves our praise, but you didn't feel like it was him. You don't praise God because you feel like it. You do it because it's right. You amen, not because you feel like it or agree with it, but because it's true. That's what amen means. So be it. That's the truth. Amen. And for those of you that aren't amen, I'm assuming you don't mean it. Oh, maybe it's just me. Forsaken forever? God didn't forsake you. You feel it. I'm here to tell you right now, you are God's daughter's heirs. Because your father said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will go with thee always. Even when you're in the grave. You have nothing to be afraid of. If you kept wandering off down the highway, and you weren't looking one day, showed up to church and God wasn't in the church anymore. I know you blame the preacher, but you know God was with you. You want to know how long it's going to be before you look new in the mirror? I do. God, I really need to look new. God, it's been two weeks. I really need to this is a genie in a bottle, don't you? If I pray and rub it just right and pull out a promise, he has an answer. You do know it said the righteous. That's not just saved. Those are those living right. Christian. So now that we've cleared the table, we're going to go to the altar. 
good guy. You're a really good guy. Let me tell you why God loves you. It's a good test, you know. What kind of a test? To see what all is in your heart. You rekindle what all is in your heart so you can begin to deal with problems you think are really not true. How good God is to love us. You've done that to your own kids. Let me tell you something that is evidently don't see. Isn't that what we teach our kids? I don't know why you won't admit this, and then you go on to tell Are you being mean? No, you're trying to help. God does the same thing. What do you want to do? What still bothers you is saying, God, it just is not showing up like it should. Then what do you do about it? You need to look what's in your heart. God, is it really a father in my heart? Let's pray. Father, thank you.